0: and welcome to the Have a Crack podcast, the show that allows at least one person to rant and rave about anything and everything going on in the beautiful game that is football. I'm your host Luke Peach, joined as ever by George Camp, ready to talk about everything that happened in the Premier League this weekend. George, my friend, welcome and how are you? I am very well,
1: thank you sir. How are you?
0: I'm feeling a bit fat today. I had dominoes for lunch. Nothing wrong with that. nothing wrong with it the only problem is if you have dominoes too many times for lunch you end up as big as me
1: i had a fry up for breakfast as you know so it's all it's fine it's
0: fine yep for listeners he he sent a lovely picture of it to me and i was incredibly jealous which probably led to me having dominoes for lunch so (laughs) i'll blame my morbid (laughs) obesity on george um right um as ever, by the way, guys, I tend to obviously include something at the beginning of our podcast that has impacted football this week. And this time, it is a very sad note that unfortunately Ray Clements, former Liverpool and Spurs goalkeeper, who sadly died this past week at the age of 72. Ray did amazing charity work in his later years for Prostate Cancer UK. And we live, he will, of course, be remembered above all else for just being a top bloke, according to everyone who knew him I believe he is succeeded by his son um, who is on the coaching staff at Newcastle um, I believe I saw that at the weekend so fair play um, to to the boy for cracking on even though he's lost his dad this last week he's got back to work and uh, carried on doing what his dad loved so fair play to him So uh, before we do get into the actual review, I do have a little bit of of clearing up to do because we recognize me and George that on our review podcasts, um, we've been talking for quite a long time. We're not sorry at all, because we generally love talking about football. And to be honest, if I put the full raw um, recording every single week live, it would probably be an extra 40 minutes long. Um, But thanks to my amazing editing skills, I get them down by a fair few minutes. So moving forward to shave off a chunk of time, uh, we are going to review 50% of the matches at normal pace, you know, where we we banter a bit and we go in and do a bit of a deep dive. And the other 50% will be given a five minute time limit. Now, the five minutes uh, will be up when we hear this. obviously, because that's a nice little full-time whistle sound effect I have found. Um, It will come as no surprise uh, for everyone listening that, of course, me and George will always do a deep dive on whoever Spurs and West Ham have played. So don't have a go at us on Twitter or anything like that. We are Spurs and West Ham fans, so you cannot blame us. Um, The games that will have a five-minute timer this week will be Liverpool versus Leicester, Aston Villa versus Brighton, Wolves versus Southampton, Newcastle versus Chelsea and Burnley versus Palace and of course deep dives left would be then Tottenham versus Man City Sheffield United versus West Ham Leeds versus Arsenal Fulham versus Everton and at George's request Man United versus West Brom right you ready to give this a try George
1: go for it I'm ready born ready
0: Ready. Okay, so our first game that we are going to talk about is Tottenham Hotspur versus Manchester City. Because where else are we going to start but the top? of the Premier League, because that is where Spurs find themselves after a 2-0 victory over Manchester City this weekend. The full line line-ups, you had Hugo Loris in goal, with a back line of Serge Aurier, Toby Alderweireld, Eric Dyer and Sergio Reguilon, with Sizoko and Hoyberg anchoring the midfield, with Son, Undumbele and Bergvine supporting Harry Kane. For Manchester City, the likes of Aguero and Sterling only were able to make the bench for this game, um, but that does that does still mean they could have a starting lineup including these people: Torres, Jesus, and Mares were the attacking line with Silva, Rodrigo, and Kevin De Bruyne in midfield; Cancelo, Laporte, Diaz, and Walker in defence, and of course, um, what's his name? Ed Eduardo is he Eduardo? Yeah. eduardo Moraes in goal right so the main talking points of this one from me i have got some lovely bullet points here doherty was sick for tottenham with that thing going on in the world uh Bergwijn, interestingly enough was actually sent home from the netherlands because the netherlands head coach thought he wasn't fit enough uh, but he somehow managed to start for Spurs here. Obviously, Bale was on the bench as well as Sterling Aguero, as I just mentioned. Man City came into this match buoyed by the fact that Pep Guardiola has signed a brand new two-year contract at the club. Um, but in the running as well, Jose was having little little jabs at him about how Sterling went home from international duty and how Harry Kane was played in pretty much, well, both of the latest games anyway. Um, and um, well, yeah, the game kind of kind of speaks for itself. 2-0. I would love to tell you that Spurs absolutely dominated this game, dominated every single statistic possible and just put two really sensational goals past Man City. But it was in fact the opposite because Man City absolutely dominated this game in every single sense apart from the scoreline. Spurs managed to get a lovely pass that split the defence up through a good movement through Harry Kane to allow Son uh, to get a goal um, after I think it was only about five minutes and then later on in the second half again Giovanni La Celso was substituted on for Ndombele who was then played in by Harry Kane who got a goal almost 32 seconds I think it was or 35 seconds after coming on but despite that City had loads of shots on goal um, and Spurs' defence were up to it, as well as Loris in goal. So final score was, as I say, 2-0. And Tottenham Hotspur are now top of the Premier League, with Manchester City all the way down in, I think, 13th was, that, was where they were at this point. That might have changed through other results. But at this point, City weren't even in the top half of the table. George, your thoughts on this match? I'm not
1: concerned. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not. I'm not concerned, right? I, I knew we was gonna have to start on this. You know what? When you said let's start at the top of the league with Tottenham, literally, I sat. out started shaking my head and rolling my eyes. Thing is, right? This was this. The only word I can describe this game is vintage Jose Mourinho. That's the only way I can explain it. Like you guys, you got absolutely dominated. Pretty much in every aspect of the game, you got dominated. Yet you've come away with a 2 0 victory, right? Classic Jose, that is. Um, that being said, um, we, you know, it's it's the old uh, I don't know if cliche is the right word, but when you come away from games that you feel like you not 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 that I don't, not actually I thought Spurs played all right. I don't think you played badly actually. Um, but when you come away from games that you feel like you shouldn't have won, that you've won, is the sign of a top side. And I've and I've not doubt I've not said that Spurs aren't a top side. They're a good side. Um, oh, I can't get my head around how you how lot, you lot have won this game. I just can't, honestly. Do you know what?
0: So something that came out of this game for me from from Tottenham Twitter um, is every single week I see loads of people absolutely destroy Eric Dyer. He shouldn't be a centre back. He played back. pretty well. And do you know what? The last few weeks, I mean, if you actually look at it we have only conceded um, more than one goal in a game when Dyer hasn't played. And that was against you guys. <laughs> um, so, I mean, Older Weirreld also as well, another mention. He actually, unfortunately, got injured in this match. His groin went. Away, yeah. um, and um, he's now going to be out for two to four weeks, uh, which will hamper the squad a little bit. But I'm told the likes of Sanchez, rode on. Um, and Tanganga will be able to deputise in the meantime. But Rodon came on for him, didn't he? He did. He did yeah. very well for the 15 minutes it was, or something that he had. So he's oh, oh, quietly optimistic about him, to be honest.
1: Well, I, I would be as well. He's one of the he's one of the the shining lights of of what was in the championship last season. So yeah, he's like, look, let's put it this way, right? I looked at the stats of this game. You had 33% possession. Right, and you had four shots to City's 22. Uh, that that speaks volumes. And you've come away and you've won the game. It's one of those games where you you sort of expect when you see things like that, and it's one nil to the team that you wouldn't expect it to be. Um, you go, okay, let's one nil. They've done the smash and grab and defended the whole game. That's not what you did, but. yeah
0: and for the second podcast in a row the missus has text george yeah. asking what's for dinner i'm guessing
1: no she's asking for a login sorry about that um <laughs> so yeah she um sorry she messaged me um yeah and you, you didn't you didn't sit back um in, in a way that that those teams do so as i said look i'm not concerned um if we're sitting at this point in a month's time on christmas day which it would be in a month's time, mm-hmm. um, and you were still top of the league, or even within sort of three points of the league, I'd be concerned. Yeah. Because by that point, you've played everyone. However, you haven't played everyone yet. The vast majority of your games have been relatively easy. Um, you've got a very difficult run coming up. And this is where... this. I think this, this run that you've got coming up is, is going to be the difference of having a manager like Jose Mourinho... having a manager like Pochettino although Pochettino is a very good manager he manages he's a very good people manager he's good with the younger guys but he's not Jose Mourinho and and Jose Mourinho knows how to win things right and especially against the bigger teams and you've got those fixtures coming up oh I, I hate to say it and I said it when he when he joined if if you stick with Mourinho and you back him and you you build the team that he wants to build you will eventually win something with him. And I hate that. I hate it. But it's 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 going to happen if, 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 if he stays there. It's just a Mourinho thing.
0: It is going to be very, very interesting the next few weeks. I mean, the next game, I think, uh, well, in the next three games, we have Chelsea and Liverpool. And I think if we can come away from those with anything, um, then I'll be very optimistic.
1: Especially the Chelsea game.
0: Oh, that—that's probably the biggest one. Um, no disrespect to Liverpool. I know they're—they're they're sort of still flying at the moment, but yeah. But their
1: defence is dodgy. You can score goals against Liverpool.
0: It's true. So,
1: and and you, when you look at players like Sun and Kane up top, that are just on song at the moment. Um, when you see a defence like Liverpool's, although they're—they're they're doing all right at the moment, I still think I've always said Liverpool without uh, Van Dijk in that back line, they're there for the taking, no matter what. Uh, are you away at Liverpool or are you at home?
0: Uh, I believe we're away. Um, that would home. be
1: the in a way I'd i almost like you to beat them because um I I don't like the fact that they've got this run going at on on uh on a, with their home teams, you know, when at home they're sixty five games or something like that unbeaten. That's ridiculous. They need to lose that they need to lose that run so that um so that they can come back down to earth a bit because they seem to think that they're the absolute god's gift when you know, they're just they're just champions of England, that's all.
0: Yeah, <laughs> another, another another interesting thing you said there about having to back Jose and stuff. I saw the the latest Spurs annual financial report came out and if coronavirus, oh, I've said the word, if, if the global issue, sorry Spotify, has uh, not stopped by the end of the season or fans are not allowed back in full time or whatever, uh, then Tottenham Hotspur stands to lose about £150 million pounds in revenue. Now, don't get me wrong, that'll probably be the same for quite a lot of clubs. Um, but um that will obviously impact what levy is able to do for jose and transfer windows and if he can't do any more levy related deals then we won't be able to back him not because we don't want to but because we financially can't uh, yep. so it'd be very 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 interesting
1: but you're not going to be in everyone will be in the same boat surely so
0: apart from city i imagine city probably wouldn't the owner of city probably hasn't lost out much on this mm,
1: but true. um Hey-ho. anyway we're digressing
0: we're digressing slightly but yes overall uh, a good comment that um jose said after the match because um, he was asked by a reporter city had the ball for the most amount of time and he said well city can take the ball home i'll take the three points instead which you know he smiled and laughed and that just made me think oh you're a you're a Cocky, cocky, man. I love you. (laughs) You're a bastard. (laughs) (laughs) I think I've decided he's the manager of my dream 11 from the other day. (laughs) Just because of the amount of...
1: How did that go, by the way? How did the voting on that go? Uh,
0: The voting went entirely your way because you have more followers on Twitter than me. You put Messi and Ronaldo in. Not that I'm making excuses, but also I refer you to, I think it was about a minute 36. Not that I've checked... Of the previous podcast, where I said I don't care. <laughs>
1: also, just want to point out that uh, we had about what seven seven people vote on it. So, I mean,
0: yep. So clearly, we've it, got
1: a massive audience. Conclusive evidence that, uh, <laughs> <laughs> of, of whatever. Anyway.
0: <laughs> conclusive evidence that your team is better, and not many people listen to this podcast or follow us on Twitter yet. Um, so, follow us on Twitter. Follow us on there Twitter, everyone listening. Absolutely. Definitely. Um, Right, so I'll bring this to a close. Yes, Tottenham Hotspur 2, Manchester City 0. Tottenham, top of the table on 20 points. Right, we have come to the first five-minute blitz. Um, And the fixture we are going to do that one on is Liverpool versus Leicester. So I will do my best to say things as quickly as I possibly can to give you the main highlights and the starting 11. And then I'll hand over to George to take us through to the end. So let us begin now. Liverpool versus Leicester. The final score was Liverpool 3, Leicester City 0. Despite Leicester having... Quite a good record against top sides this season. They are inconsistent in their results um, and that carried on through today. Liverpool were without the likes of Trent Alexander-Arnold, Virgil van Dijk, Jordan Henderson and Mo Salah, all for various different injury or illness related reasons. There was even talk of the fact that Fabinho and Robertson weren't going to be fit enough for this game, but they did make the starting eleven. The Liverpool team in full was Allison in goal, Milner, Matip, Fabinho and Robertson in defence, Curtis Jones, Wijnaldum and Cater in midfield with Mane, Firmino and Jota up front. For Leicester, you had Jamie Vardy up front, supported by Harvey Barnes and James Madison, Albrighton, Yuri Tillismans, Mendy and Justin, Fuchs, Evans and Fofana protecting Schmeichel. The goals in this game were scored by Diego Jota from a header, Roberto Firmino for another header, who could have had about three or four, I might add. Uh, he had quite a very very good game, um, and the other goal came from a Johnny Evans own goal from a Liverpool corner, I believe. So the final score, as I say, was Liverpool three, Leicester 0. If Leicester did win, they would have gone above Spurs to claim top spot, but instead Liverpool take all three points to go level um, with Tottenham on 20 points, but behind them on goal difference george you have approximately three minutes left to talk what do you want to say about this game
1: liverpool and their unbeaten run like, they dominated that game they destroyed Le- leicester leicester weren't all there really leicester got a good good record away from home as well i think that's the first away defeat this season but liverpool haven't lost at home since april 2017 Right, like, that's insane that is insane. They've won out of their last 64 home home league games. They've won 53 of them and drew 11. Like the record speaks for itself, and you can't really knock them for that, which is annoying. But, um, Firmino, God, did you see that? Did you see the well, the the not goal that Firmino? Apparently, it was literally like a centimetre away from being a goal it was it was the ball was that far over the line it was just the centimeter that was that was remaining so close um Firmino played really well and actually Firmino did need to play well because of what's been coming on with 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 uh, jota and Mane and salah those three um i think Firmino got in the team because of um got got sort of that opportunity because Salah's not there um so i know that they they have all been playing together anyway um but yeah not bad game at all, and and um, Schumacher, you know he 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 done all right in goal. I I, I quite rate I do rate Schumacher quite a lot. Um, however, the, the Firmino goal from the Milner corner was just ridiculous. The, Milner just took the corner, bam! No one even near Firmino. He just banged headed it straight in. So like, come on, you got you got to be defending that. Leicester are better than that. So I don't know why they're going to they're going to teams like Liverpool. they, they you know they folded against West Ham. Three goals against West Ham as well. Three goals against Liverpool now. Are Leicester less, are the team they were? Like, do you reckon? Because I, I look at Leicester and I still think I see a really good team there. But they're losing games convincingly um, of which that previously they've you know, they've done relatively well in. So um, also let's just point out that Liverpool are also joint top. They're just behind on goal difference. So don't get carried away with your spurs. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, Leicester had a shout for a penalty when the ball hit Matip's arm, um, but you know, VAR didn't didn't fancy it. Um,
0: I mean that. I mean, just to revert quickly, that goal line technology, oh, I flipping love it. It's so. Oh,
1: I love it. It's so
0: black it, and white. Right. It's exactly what VAR needs to be. Yeah. Because you look at it. oh, fair enough. Move on. Literally, the how VAR is, should be.
1: The thing is, they don't even need to look at it because it just buzzes on the referee's watch. That's the thing. So but they, they, it's almost like it's not there, but it's there. The only time it's failed, obviously, is the Aston Villa game where it literally kept them in the league last season. Yet the Villa fans will moan that they've, uh, they're, not, they're losing, whatever, mm-hmm. losing their decisions. But Liverpool deserved the win. They played really well. Um, and, and Leicester are, are a top team. So um, clean sheet, 3-0, extending the unbeaten record. I think Liverpool fans will be sleeping pretty well.
0: Yep, and the strength index of Liverpool's team also on good show here with the likes of Curtis Jones and yeah. Abby Cater um, all coming in and Milner stepping up as he tends to do.
1: Yeah, yeah. Oh, there you go.
0: Oh, okay.
1: That works out quite well. I like that.
0: Yep, fair enough. Cool. Um, so that was our five minutes on Liverpool versus Leicester. Right, our next game on our list to do a bit of a deep dive will be George's game, Sheffield United Very versus West Ham. So, again, as I tend to do with these West Ham games, I will let George do most of the talking. I will just tell you the final result was West Ham one, Sheffield United 0 or Sheffield United 0, West Ham one officially because, yes, Sheffield United were at home. You had Ramsdale in goal, Basham, Egan, Ampadu, Lowe, Fleck, Norwood, Berg, and Baldock supporting McBurney and Mc... Goldrick for Sheffield United. For West Ham in goal, you had Fabianski, you had a backline of Masuaku, Creswell, Ogbonna, Balbuena and Soufal. Uh, you had Declan Rice, Suchek in midfield, supporting Nows and Bowen with Haller up top. George, how did West Ham do?
1: I was worried about this game. We don't have a good record against Sheffield United. Um, historically, they've always done pretty well against us. But, Sebastian Haller stepped up. I, I, he was incredible, Haller. Um, he he got himself into positions. He scored a good goal. Um, we should have scored a couple more, if I'm honest. Um, I feel like that we actually, throughout the whole game, as a general, I think it was another one of those ones where you've come away with a one-one-nil win, and you think to yourself, "I'm happy with that. I'm happy with the one-nil win away at Sheffield United," albeit they're bottom of the league, struggling, and especially you know, especially with the position that that Sheffield United are in. I think, I think that they probably saw that West Ham game as a game that they could win, and I thought they, I reckon they thought that that will get us, that that will start their season. Um, but they didn't take their chances. They hit the bar um, when they were clean through, and if they don't, if if you don't take the chances like that in the Premier League, um, especially when you're a team that are struggling in the, in the bottom of heart, in the bottom half, it's gonna put you in trouble. So. They need the Sheffields need to start taking their chances because if they don't, they're going down. Simple as. And it's a second season syndrome that they're they're struggling with at the moment. On the other hand, let's talk about my my boy Declan Rice, who's just another level again. The guy was just just incredible all game. Running the play in the midfield, switching the ball left and right, putting it forward, hit the bar as well from a header, from a corner, from from Cres. Um what I also want to note, I did notice as well is that Mark Noble came on, and Declan Rice didn't give him the armband when he came on, and I like that. I like that. Declan Rice, I feel like, is now our, he's he's our captain now. My, Mr. Mark Noble is our club captain, but when we we're on the pitch, Declan Rice is our captain, and I'm and I'm I'm happy about that. I'm really happy about that. Um, David Moyes will be really happy with that game, and and West Ham fans are really happy with Moyes at the moment. We used to mock him because he used to say things like. What I do is win. That's what I do. I win, and we there used to be like that, that memes or whatever you want to call them on, on Twitter all the time about it, and everyone used to take take the mick about it, and because he had a terrible record. But actually, I think I, I saw a thing that statistically, from based on the, the ending of last year's um, positioning, like the way everyone finished, we have had the hardest start of the season of any team statistically now I'm, I'm, I'm trying to find my stat while I waffle but um I think that speaks volumes from us in, in terms of how how we are because here yeah, I found the stats now West Ham set the average league position was 7.9 second is Man City at 8.8 so it's not it's not it's not even close like they're miles behind um, on the contrary Wolves Man United have both had the easiest start statistically and when you look at that and you look at where Man United are, you worry about that. Anyway, I'm digressing off of West Ham situation. I'm happy with that game. Really pleased. There's a good. There's. There seems to be some really good confidence going, growing in the team. We've got Aston Villa next, so we need that confidence because Villa are a, a very strong attacking team. Um, we've got some favourable fixtures. West Ham up the run-up till Christmas. In fact, probably on the contrary to what I've just said about us having the hardest start. I reckon from now until Christmas, we've probably got the easiest. So, you know, we've got Antonio probably coming back. So we've got we've got strikers that are scoring goals. I I can't believe what I'm saying. I can't believe what I'm saying. West Ham have got strikers that are scoring goals at the moment. This is this is something that I'm not used to. So, um, and and you know what? Last I think when we last played um, Sheffield United at home, away, sorry, uh, we got a last minute goal which got ruled out for handball from Declan Rice. So that's justice of uh, winning that game. So, but my main points, big man Haller up top done really well. Um, I don't know if he's going to start on our next game. Um, Sheffield United are going to be feeling like they haven't taken their chances. Simple as, I don't know. Uh, did you watch the game?
0: I, I did, believe it or not. I, I, I did watch this one. Um, I feel for Sheffield United one point on the board the whole it's now started that people are comparing them to that Burnley side uh, not Burnley side the Derby side from the Premier League which only got something like six points all season um so those things are already starting to come out but I'm sure they'll probably get more than that eventually hopefully right um, so we'll see from from a West Ham point of view credit where credit's due I reckon you're ranting and raving about rice and rightfully so I su he's really ticking a lot of mate, boxes for, for, you know for me
1: su check is just he's 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 class and you know what he, he to be fair he had he had a sitter that he missed he missed a sitter against um against sheffield but he the way the way that he's just come in Fifth, i said this in previous podcasts. he's come in for 15 million quid he's got his mate su as well it's come in too for 5 million unbelievable business unbelievable i, I saw a video um the other day, about the difference between what we had under Pellegrini to what we've now got as a team under Moyes in his second time round, and it's just the difference is just unbelievable. I saw a stat that said that West Ham are the first London team to go to Sheffield United and win since 2006.
0: Really, the I find that hard. I find that really hard to believe. Yeah, but okay, I know.
1: <laughs> biggest team in London, mate. <laughs> <laughs> just saying.
0: And the other point i wanted to make as well before that absolute stinker dropped was um was was halal now we mentioned it before about what type of a striker he is um and you know there were times in that match i found myself laughing he was standing still he, he, he the, is the way he's he walks about the top of the pitch the way it seems like he doesn't give a crap but all he does is he does what you want him to do in terms of he'll lay the ball off to someone on coming on on the wing, or he'll wait for a ball to come to him and then smash it into the top corner. And yeah. I think they said it on Match of the Day. You have different types of strikers, and um, West Ham now they, you've got two different options. You've got yeah. the Haller option, which is stay put and rifle it into the top corner or hold up play, and you've got Antonio, who'll just run at you. And um, he sure, he might be slowing down a little bit, but he will still run at defenses, cause problems, and. Turn up with the odd bicycle kick, apparently.
1: <laughs> yeah. So, so the thing is with them too. They've both got they've they've got big differences, but they've also got their similarities. So, their their differences are is that Haller is is he doesn't move a lot. He doesn't do a lot of running. He doesn't look like he's working very hard. And in fact, I saw a stat as well that said that's the first goal that Haller's ever scored from outside the box in a in a like a top flight league hmm. match, which is 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 strange. But it's a bit 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 like Van Nistelrooy. Do you know what I mean? That's what he used to be like that though, didn't he? so um whereas uh antonio but that so the differences are is that yeah hala doesn't work hard antonio does similarities are is that, that i think they're both sort of one two touch strikers mm. whereas although antonio can run with the ball he really has a finished product when he makes those runs because he can't put something away like that however if they've both got service and the ball comes into the box if they have got a one or two touch and then it's finished then then that's what we're talking about they're very good in that sort of sense. And we can see that Haller's a big man up top. He's a target man. Antonio's got that quality, but he's a little bit more agile with it as well. And he's mm-hmm. got a bit, he throws himself about a little bit more. Yeah. So um, they're, they're two they're two really good strikers. Haller's come with a bit of a reputation and probably a bit of an ego as well. I think that might have been sort of, I don't know, down pressed a little bit since he's arrival now, because he's not really been doing much. Um, and Antonio's the complete opposite. Antonio's got, Antonio has an ego anyway. You can tell he's got this aura about him that he knows he's a decent footballer. And he likes a joke and he likes a laugh and you can tell with some of his celebrations that he does. He's got the banter. Um, so, so, yeah, I don't, you know what? It's, it's just a happy camp at West Ham right now. We're just happy camp. That's all I'm saying. We're, ha- yeah. we're a happy team.
0: I mean, it shows in the table. West Ham are currently sitting... 8th above the likes of Man United, Arsenal and City I might want to point out. Um, Sheffield United, unfortunately you are still bottom which will come as no surprise on one point um, on a minus 11 goal difference after nine games played. So good luck to you guys in your next match, whoever it may be. Right, um, so if we move on now we're going to get to our next, our second ever 5 Minute Blitz which comes to us from Aston Villa. Aston Villa took on Brighton at home. So the clock begins now. Final score was Aston Villa 1, Brighton 2. The lineups for Aston Villa, you had Martinez in goal with a back line of Cash, Consa, Ming and Target with Douglas Luiz and McGinn in midfield supporting Trezeguet, Barkley and Grealish with Ollie Watkins up front. For Brighton, you had Matt Ryan in goal, Ben White, Dunk, and Webster in defence, Solly March, Gross, uh, Basuma, and Lamptey in midfield, with Lalana supporting a front two of Morpay and Danny Welbeck. The goal scorers were Danny Welbeck on 12 minutes he managed to get a ball played in towards him and he ran about the whole well Aston Villa half of the pitch and just chipped it a little bit so it went in the goal and fair play to Danny Welbeck getting his first goal for Brighton I bet that must have felt really good for him. Um, The next goal uh, went to Aston Villa they made it 1-1 on 47 minutes through Esri concert um and then Solly march scored on 56 minutes as well george may correct me if i'm wrong when i hand over to him but i'm pretty sure aston villa were denied a penalty or a possible penalty in this game when Solly march was yeah. deemed to um a, a foul in the box obviously that's how you get a he penalty
1: pointed to the spot. he actually pointed to the spot
0: yep so there could have been um some extra drama in this game but penalty didn't didn't get given and as a result Aston Villa didn't score anymore the other drama came in the 91st minute when Tarek Lamptey was given a red card so Brighton for the last couple of minutes or so were down to 10 men Uh, but the thing is Brighton you actually have a win for the first time in what feels like forever which has taken you up to 16th whereas Aston Villa the same team that beat the likes of Arsenal 3-0 last weekend and put 7 past Liverpool loses out again to lower league opposition if we can call them lower table opposition sorry Brighton didn't get that one quite right um but they are still on 15 points in seventh place and obviously playing eighth place West Ham next week George you have as like before about two and a half minutes three minutes
1: well Danny Welbeck that was a good goal fair play to the fella you can't really knock him for that great like he ran straight through the ball I um, just think the keeper, and and that he had the composure to do it, and the experience to do it. Maybe you know a few years ago he wouldn't have done that. Um, and it's quite quite incredible, really, when you think that Watford let Danny Welbeck go, and yet he's still playing for a for a Premier League team and actually bagging goals. I know it's his first goal for Brighton, and I I'm not a massive Danny Welbeck fan, but that was a well taken goal. Um, Solly March's goal, Jeez Louise, that was a that was a cracker. That was like top bins, wasn't it? So. Fair play to Brighton. They played quite well. Um, on the other hand, let's, let's sort of put it in for CONSA. Nah, That's a pretty standard goal from Aston Villa's perspective. It was a good go- Well-worked goal, but, you know, there's nothing special about it. Um, Grealish done well to get Lamptey sent off as well. Brian <laughs> himself to the floor. The standard Grealish. Um, I thought, yeah, I, you know what? I, if I was an Aston Villa fan, right, I'd be annoyed that that penalty wasn't given, right? However, if I was a Brighton fan, I'd be like, well, he got the ball. So, and he did get the ball. He got the ball and he, he took the ball away and he just got Trezeguet through with a follow through, which as I've said this before, football is a contact sport. You got to allow contact when you're going for the ball. And if you if you manage to go for the ball, you get the ball and then, you know, you're going to take take a bit of the play as well. I don't, I don't think you can just be giving penalties all the time. And, I, and you know what? Fair play to Michael Oliver. I don't think that was a penalty. I think it was a hard challenge, but he got, I feel like he got enough of the ball, and you could see he clearly see the the ball move direction, move, change direction. So, um, yeah, Brighton will be relieved because they had a bit of a late scare in that game. Um, good thing about it is, um, from a West Ham perspective, Barkley got himself injured with his tight little hammies again, um, and he's not going to be playing against West Ham, so that's good for us. Um, I Aston Villa were decent, you know. I, I'm worried about Aston Villa playing them. Um, so, and especially after they've just lost against a team like Brighton, they'll be well pumped for it for their next game.
0: Yeah. Brighton, on the
1: other hand, you know, I'm slightly concerned about them. Um, but it is what it is, isn't it? Like, there's Bright, Brighton, another one of those team, those bottom half teams. So they're going to be doing a lot of defending this year. Um, but they'll be really happy with that result there's uh, from what from what i've seen no no team has, has conceded more premier league go goals at home this season than aston villa so
0: well and there um, we go that's your five minutes up to draw the line there um gotta be strict with you george thank you very much for that um Final score, Brighton 2, Aston Villa 1. We'll move on to the next uh, one, which has a deep dive, George. Don't worry, I won't cut you off this time. Um, it's Leeds versus Arsenal. And for a game that had no goals, because the final score was nil nil, I thoroughly enjoyed every single minute of this game, if I'm completely honest. And that may be just because I'm a Spurs fan. Leeds, well, you, you dominated. Um, this game you had 67% possession you had 25 shots on goal four of them unfortunately on target only but good god you you should have won this game because Arsenal also had a player sent off and it was Nicolas Pepe someone who I have said on a previous podcast that I didn't rate at this time, but I'm sure would get better um, as time goes on. Well, I'm starting to rethink that latter comment because I don't think he is ever going to come good on that price tag. And even Mikel Arteta was absolutely furious with him after the final whistle, already saying to all the media and to Pepe how it was totally unacceptable. What actually happened was throughout the game, Pepe was being closely marked by um, I think it was Ailing. Was that his name? Alioski as well. A- Alioski as well. So some the Leeds players were proper proper into him, proper marking him quite quite strictly, and, and a few tugs, a few cheeky digs here and there. Um, and Pepe essentially had enough and headbutted um uh, <laughs> one of the Le- Alioski. Um, and Alioski looked like he'd been shot by George's sniper. He went down clutching his face. And of course, you can't do that in the game. Alioski shouldn't really have dramatised it that much. But um, long story short, you headbutt an opposition player, you're going to see red, aren't you? Um, And Leeds, they piled on the pressure as much as they could. Bamford had some quality shots, um, but were saved by by Leno in the Arsenal goal. Arsenal effectively getting away with it uh, in the end with one point um, shared between them. The full starting lineups you had Meslier in goal for Leeds, Alioski Cooper, Koch, and Ailing in defence, Calvin Phillips returning for Leeds in midfield. Rafina, Klitsch, Dallas, Harrison, and Bamford all made up the attacking options for Bielsa. Rafina, by the way, quality player, some excellent football being played by him in this match. Arsenal's attacking lineup was the 350 pounds a week new contract signing smiling guy, Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang, who failed to score yet again. Willian, Joe Wilcock and Nicolas Pepe, who I said got sent off. Your midfield was Ceballos and Xhaka, because I believe Elneny was actually sick. And you had a back line of Kieran Tierney, Gabriel, Holding and Bellerin. No David Luiz, because congratulations, David, he had a baby. Not him, obviously, his wife, I assume had a baby um and fair play to Tierney he thought that uh, Alioski of Leeds really did dramatize the the Pepe sending off and clutching his face he really wanted a piece of Alioski after the final whistle uh, but I believe all the Arsenal management were stopping him <laughs> from from making a very silly mistake uh, and obviously Leno in goal George what did you make of this lovely lovely match
1: Arsenal fans must be absolutely fuming Oh, uh, you know what? And I don't get me wrong. I don't like Arsenal. As like I don't like Arsenal, right? I've been brought up. My my dad is a, an Arsenal hater, and it's it rubs off on me. So, forgive me if if I sound like I don't like him I do feel for the Arsenal fans, though. Like literally, right? And I and I I know I had a rant a couple of weeks ago, or last week, or whenever about the Arsenal about Arsenal. But what's going on? What is going on there? Arteta, don't know he's 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 strong side, does he? He don't know his strongest side. How many? How many? He's he's season and a half in now, as manager, and he's still not all tired He's goals. I saw a stat that said they haven't scored in nine, over eight hours in open play, or something like that. It's ridiculous. Like what? What sort of team is this Arsenal turning into? They're a mid. They're a mid. They're a mid-table team moment. And this is what I don't understand with Arsenal. They've. And and I, honestly, I, I've, I've I've had discussions with Arsenal fans about this over the past week. You've got to look at the manager. You've got to look at the manager. And and I know Pepe got himself sent off, but Arsenal have got the worst disciplinary record of the in the league at the moment as well. So it's not it's not just a single. This isn't just a a one thing that that's that that that's happened here. This there is a di- disciplinary issue at Arsenal, and that's got to start from the top. Um, do we do you really think Mikel Arteta is a manager that should be managing a club like Arsenal, and I'm telling you now, if this was any other team that I considered one of the big six teams that have got a, that have played the games that they've played, that Arsenal have played, and they've performed the way they have, those managers will be well. Let's put it this way: the media will be hounding them, to be saying, "He's he's next to be to be on the way out." So you know, 25 shots conceded against Leeds as well. These Leeds are a promoted team. All right. They've been doing all right, all right, but they're a promoted team. You shouldn't be conceding 25 shots against a team like Leeds. Now, like Pepe, and I advocate Pepe the, last, the other week by saying, I like, I like William. I like Pepe. I like them both. Right. But at the moment, not neither of them are doing very well for Arsenal they playing when they play willian we ask questions why he's playing willian and not pepe and when he plays pepe you go why are you playing an idiot like pepe but you got to remember they paid so much money for him so they've got to play they've got to play him i oh, I, I don't understand arsenal right now like Yang up top he was a goal machine like he like he was he was a world class goal machine before he's a washing machine now what's going on mm-hmm. so and I, and I, th- I honestly i look at i look at I, you see arteta and i reckon arsenal have taken him because of two things one on the basis of him being pep's assistant and that that's some for some reason has given him a bit a bit of clout about who he is and what he does from a managerial perspective and the two that is that he's relatively going to be relatively cheap isn't he And he's yeah. going to be manipulated by the board to to do what the board want i'm telling you mate i'm telling you if that was like, for, if if he was like Sean Dice's assistant, he's never going to get a job. Do you know what I mean? Yep. It's just because he was Pep's assistant. Now I don't, I don't know how you feel about that, mate. Well, you're probably thinking this is hilarious because Arsenal fans must be absolutely. Uh,
0: <laughs> I mean, I mean, I'm 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 one of the many many people who like watching Arsenal TV when Arsenal lose, um, just because of their their reactions as as fans do it does just make me laugh. Um, but I mean, if we take my inherited Spurs hatred of Arsenal out of the equation. Arteta has won two trophies at Arsenal. Let's not forget that. He's won the FA Cup. Yeah. He's won the charity shield. Yes, I know the charity shield's the charity shield. It's a one-off game. Anything can happen. Exhibition. Fine, whatever. But it's what Moy's clinged onto for ages at Manchester United anyway. But he's yeah, also won the FA Cup. He's more successful than any of the last Spurs managers <laughs> technically from a trophy point of view of the last 10-12 years. Um, it's only his second season in charge and he was only halfway through the, the other season, right? Correct me if I'm wrong. Um, yeah. So he he does need time. He has recognised that what his players is doing is unacceptable. And I I just don't think that squad is, is good enough um, no, in general. Um, and I don't think that's his fault at the moment because I don't think he's had enough transfer windows or enough money behind him to to do that he's trying to get the best out of some flops that previous managers have signed or the board have signed so I do sympathize with him a little bit but then obviously I bring the fact that I'm a Tottenham fan back into it and I absolutely (laughs) love every second of it seeing them down there in 12th they're actually ahead of Man City which is quite funny Um, still but if they lost to they would have been on joint points with man city in the bottom half of the table and that is all arsenal fans are currently seeing i mean if you listen to any sports radio station at the moment after an arsenal game you get some absolute gold uh. (laughs) yeah yeah, gold
1: gold listening
0: let's let's let's, yeah let's call it that some people are saying he should be sacked immediately and wenger should be brought back in um i've seen the fact that People slamming, um, holding in, in at centre back, and, and all this kind of stuff. You know, your team's going through some struggles. Get behind them. Look at the positives. Try your best to back the manager, especially at a time like this. Um, yeah, but
1: these are Arsenal fans we're talking about. They hounded out. They hounded out Wenger. They hounded him out. And ever since Wenger's gone, they've hated the man. They've liked the manager for six months, and then they've hated him. Mm. this is Arsenal fans they're so fickle you can't, they can't help it they can't help it the problem is right Arsenal aren't, haven't done that. and you know what who was the manager the, the one that that, that that couldn't speak English very well who was his name I can't remember his name Emery Emery yeah Emery he, uh, he was good he, had a, he came with a good record this is the thing We've got, and, and I think that's probably why they've gone for someone like Arteta you've got other really decent managers out there Jardim Spalletti Valverde Poch Allegri Marco Silva I did prepare that earlier. I was going to say, but, yeah. <laughs> um But they're, they're just managers that are all currently unemployed. So what, why are Arsenal settling for Arteta? Because he's cheaper. Because he can be manipulated. You, uh, this, this is the way I sort of look at it. I look at it from that perspective, and I, I, can't, I can't see any, anyone else to blame other than the manager. Arsenal's next fixtures, right? Wolves away. Spurs away. Burnley home, Southampton home, Everton away, Chelsea home, Brighton away. I look at those fixtures, right, from what Arsenal are doing at the moment and how they're playing at the moment, I see them winning two. Burnley and Brighton. Yep. And that would easily leave them in the bottom half come New Year. Mid-table side. If they are bottom half middle of the year, mid-table, he's got to go. He's got to go. There's no doubt about it. So... He plays Russian roulette with his team at the moment. So I don't know. I don't really like. He's a pussy. That's all I'm going to say. Sorry, I had to say it. <laughs> I no, no, think he's
0: a pussy. No, that's fine. But he has perfect hair. Um, right. We'll, we'll <sighs> leave it there. We'll leave it on a positive for you, Mikhail. We love you, I suppose, a little bit. Um, right. Uh, The next thing is a return to the five-minute blitz. Let me just make sure I have all the things in place. Our next blitz comes from Wolves versus Southampton. Um, And we will start the clock now. Wolves versus Southampton. The final score was... I'll just stop you.
1: Go on. You're not going to believe this, what I've just seen. What have you just seen? Diego Maradona has died at the age of 60
0: what oh he went into hospital didn't he
1: yeah
0: oh, breaking news on the have a crack podcast no way where did you see that yeah.
1: it's just flashed up on my phone Literally. it says just now bbc news
0: my goodness gracious yeah argentinian legend maradona dies age 60 madness oh jesus okay right um well we will definitely talk more about that at the start of the next podcast Sorry to, to no that's fine um my love to everyone in the Maradona family, of course, and I'm sure it comes from you as well, George. Um, right, let's let's do the blitz. Let's get back on to the, the topic. Hand of God is with them. The hand of God is with them, yes. Um, right, yes, so Wolves won, Southampton won the full lineup In Wolves' goal, you have Patricio at back line of Semido, Killman, Bolly, and Ain't Nuri. You had Giamutinho, Ruben Neves and then Donka in midfield supporting Adama Traore who I found out was actually Spanish. I always thought he was English for some reason.
1: No way. Is he really?
0: Yeah. And Raul Jimenez up front and Podence on the left. For Southampton you had McCarthy in goal. Um, Kyle Walker-Peters, Bednarak, Vestergaard, and Bertrand making up a f- familiar back four for them. Armstrong, Ward-Prowse, Romeo and Genepo in midfield with Walcott and Adams up front don't forget Southampton are without Danny Ings because of a knee injury but they are saying he will be back sooner than you might think so we shall see what happens there Um, in terms of uh, what happened Theo Walcott got the Southampton goal on 58 minutes it was a lovely move by Southampton which freed him up unmarked at the edge of the box to get essentially was a cracking tap in um, and then in the second half, on 75 minutes, uh, Neto scored for Wolves to level it up. And essentially, this was two really, really good sides going at each other for the entire game and uh, eventually cancelling each other out. You'd obviously not be surprised to know that Wolves had the more shots because obviously they were at home and they had the home field advantage. But Southampton did dominate possession um, from a 55% to 45% point of view, if you want to call it dominant. Um but ultimately, a really good game of football for the neutral. It's a shame it did end 1-1. I'd like to seen a winner come the end of this, and I'm sure both Southampton and Wolves would have liked that as well, as long as it was them. But this does leave Southampton fifth in the table on uh, 17 points, three points off the top. Uh, and Wolves uh, do go down to ninth, just behind West Ham, um, but only on goal difference. So interesting there for them. Uh, George, anything you want to say about this particular match?
1: I mean, you know, at the end of the game, I watched this game and at the end of the game, I was quite disappointed because I thought, um, one of them was really going to go all out and try and win the game. And, and Southampton, especially, they, they were protecting a draw. And I thought, you know what, like if that, if that was me, if, if I was a manager of that team, I'd be saying, go get up the other end of the pitch Chuck everyone like, get the ball. If your defender's getting the ball, get everyone up, hoof it up, get it in the get it in the box. Try and get try and get the win. But they they didn't. They just sitting sitting back and just trying to defend the ball, playing keep ball. And I thought, you know what, I was disappointed with that. However, it was a very close game, right? Wolves have not got a very good record at, at the moment, especially at home. Like I'm surprised that they are they are where they are. Um, I think, is it the other way around? I can't remember. <laughs> I can't remember what I thought. It might have been the other way around. I think Wolves have, have got a good record at home. I think it's their away record. It's not very good. I'm going to check that while I, while I talk. But it was a relatively good game. Southampton are unbeaten um, in, what, how many games? Seven games?
0: Uh, at least the last five they're unbeaten.
1: Yeah. yeah, like they're, they're, they're decent at the moment, Southampton. I'm surprised. And they've been scoring some real nice goals as well. So it's... um. It's, I'm, I was surprised, let's put it that way, that I thought one of them was going to go for it. Wolves have lost just one of their last seven home Premier League games. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, they've got a good record at home. So Southampton, that's probably why they were um, they were at home though, weren't they? Wolves, Wolves, were, at or, yeah. Wolves were at home. Yeah, so Southam- that's probably why Southampton were trying to protect the ball because they know that Wolves are dangerous at home. Yep. Yeah, you know, what? Well, Danny Ings, he's not playing. Danny Ings is injured, right? So...
0: Um, I mean the, the did you thing see that? yeah I did um, the The thing for me in this match um, noticeable parts were Semedo um, so he was Semido. pretty much Semedo Semedo whatever you want to say his name is Semelina I don't care uh, Theo Walcott was uh, in acres of space and he should have picked him up uh, so it yeah. was actually a Semedo Semelina whatever mistake that led to the Walcott goal um, and
1: and from Adams
0: Yes it was a very very good assist by Adams. so when he doesn't score he assists which is good news uh, for Southampton and um, the commentators mentioned this during the match as well McCarthy's had a really good record and there's no talk of him for the England squad which does shock me a little bit.
1: Well it's funny you say that because that man has just recently got in my fantasy team and actually talking of which how are you doing on fantasy at the moment
0: Luke? Ah, oh, what a shame. So we can't actually talk about my performance on Fantasy because we are out of time. Um, so don't worry about that, George. We can pick that up uh, maybe next time on another podcast. Um, but Wolves won, Southampton one. That totally wasn't made up either. It literally did run out at the right time for me. Right, um, so the next deep dive that we have is Fulham versus Everton. And I loved every single second of this game. Why? Because it had goals galore. It had terrible defending. It had great goals. It had players having a crack here and there, and just generally, I was entertained for the nineteen minutes. Uh, final score was Fulham two, but Everton three. Uh, for Fulham, you had Ariola in goal, Robinson, Adebayaro, Anderson, and Aina in defence, with Reed and Lamina in midfield, and Bobby. Bobby Overreed, they call him, but I'm just going to call him Bobby Reed. Tim Chieny in midfield and Lookman supporting Cavaliero up front. For Everton, you had a returning Richarlison and Dominic Calvert-Lewin and James Rodriguez up front, supported by Alan and Decoré in midfield. You had a back five with two wing backs of Lucas Digne and Alex Iwobi, Ben Godfrey, Yerry Mina and Michael Keane and, of course, Jordan Pickford in goal. Um, and guys, Dominic Calvert-Lewin scored within 42 seconds of this game starting, scored in the first minute after Richarlison managed to square it to him and get it over the line. He then doubled it on 29 minutes and de Dekore got a lovely headed goal from being unmarked in the box on 35 minutes. In between those goals, Bobby Reid did score after 15 minutes with a lovely through ball and he took it quite nicely to nestle into the corner. Second half happens and Fulham were actually given a penalty. Now, you remember Fulham had a penalty against West Ham and Lukman did one of the most awful things I've ever seen in front of a goal and tried to do a panenka, panenka however you say it. Um, and, of course, Fabianski just made him look like a tit. Um, so it should come as no surprise to you that Luckman was not given the penalty to take this time. Instead, it fell to, I believe it was Cavaliero, George. Am I right there? Yeah. Yep. And what happened was he stepped up to take the penalty. He somehow hit the ball with his left foot and then kicked his left foot with his right foot and fell flat on his arse. Um, and the ball <laughs> went over the, over the uh, crossbar. So penalty missed. Um, Ruben Loftus-Cheek was the substitute that came on to win that penalty um, and after it wasn't scored Loftus-Cheek kind of just went oh screw this I'll do it myself and he ended up scoring another goal back for Fulham on 70 minutes and after that obviously it's evenly poised 3-2 you could think Fulham would go and get an equaliser and they did try god bless them uh, but the 90 minutes ran out on them and the final score Fulham two, Everton three so Parker will have some positives to take out of this match but ultimately he won't be taking any points and that does leave Fulham all the way down on 18th with four points only one point ahead of West Brom in 19th on three points. Everton though finally returned to winning ways after four games Probably got something to do with the fact that Richarlison was back in their starting lineup, Um, And they're on 16 points. uh, One point behind Southampton in fifth. And three points behind Chelsea and Leicester in third and fourth. George, what did you make of this match?
1: You know what? Fulham, again, it was similar to sort of how Sheffield United must have been feeling before the West Ham game. Fulham would have been looking at this game thinking, they were at home, weren't they? They were at home against an Everton, which historically, now you can correct me if I'm wrong, but historically Everton don't do very well in London. I think they're one of those teams that don't travel well to London um, against London teams. You can have a look and find that if if, I heard it on the radio. Um, But so Fulham will be looking at that game thinking, decent. Both teams are, are leaky. They leak a lot of goals. Everton have got a terrible record. I think they've conceded well, I think teams have scored two or more goals against them in their last five, six games. So um, Everton don't have; they've not very got a very good back line at the moment. They're leaking goals. Not only that, they're not really—they weren't really scoring any many in the last three games as well. They were struggling without Richarlison. I think it, was, it was, you know—we we spoke about Everton a few weeks ago about how how important their front players are in Richarlison in um who's the guy? uh James whatever his name is James Rodriguez yeah and who's the other one that we say about Everton who's um the relatively new guy what's his um, name Alan uh no Calvert-Lewin Calvert-Lewin Not okay. yeah. news, so I what I'm talking about um so yeah and now that obviously them three are back bang they're, they're firing on all cylinders again they scored three goals um Everton they're one of those weird teams aren't they like but they go through this little spell of of doing absolutely pants, and then they come and they score three goals against Fulham, who, all right, they're not particularly great Fulham, and I do I do think they're going to go down. Um But Calvert Lewin, just look at Calvert Lewin right now. has scored seven in seven of these nine games so far this season, and he's he's in the England squad now. He's he's doing. He's he's doing bits for Everton. Come on, let's let's put it out there. He's doing bits. He's getting himself into the right positions, and he's not exactly scoring weldies. He's scoring some good goals, but he's not scoring some weldies. But the thing is, Fulham aren't exact. Um, Everton aren't exactly. Um, they, they didn't. They didn't dominate that game, right? They. Ever, ever, um, Fulham had a lot of shots on more shots than what Everton had as well, um, so. I don't, I don't, I don't understand Fulham right now. I don't understand them. because every single game, right? Scott Parker comes out and he says, he says "Oh yeah, well, you know, I'm going to take the positives from the game and we're going to work on it and we're going to, we're going to improve for our next game." And, but you know what? This is the second game in a row that they've thrown away a point for missing a penalty. Fulham mm-hmm. have missed their last three penalties. What's going on with that? They can't be doing that. You can't be missing penalties. These players getting paid a certain amount of money to, to, to score goals and they're missing penalties. It's ridiculous. They're, 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 they are literally, they're just making life hard for themselves. And I don't understand why they do it. I really don't. Obviously, they're not doing it on purpose. But they're falling short of, of any expectations or any sort of desire and and, and push that a, a promoted team would normally have. Do you know what I mean? You see the promoted teams come up, like Leeds have got at the moment, and they've just got a desire to win, and you can just see them pushing for the for the win. And they and they they just look like a decent team. Fulham don't have that. I haven't seen that from Fulham. Have
0: you? No, so, I, I, I think it's got something to do with Parker's selection. Why is Ruben Loftus Cheek not starting every game? Yeah, I I think you know he was brought in as. He is one of your big signings, isn't he, from yeah. a foreign point of view? He should be starting. And he proved he came on, he won the penalty, and then he went on and scored as well. Um, I just think Scotty just needs to maybe change his formation, change his, his starting line-up a little bit. He's saying he's, oh, we'll take some positives and learn from this. Well, you've had them for a year in the Championship, mate. You should have learned mm. everything you needed to learn there yeah. and just add to it. Exactly. But, um, I mean, just a bit more on Everton. I have look, just looked at their next um, five fixtures in the Premier League. Mm. Leeds United at home, Burnley away, Chelsea away, Leicester at home, Arsenal away.
1: Oh. So this is, where, this is where you're going to see what what they're made of. And the thing is, right? This and, and this is also this is a very good opportunity for Calvert Lewin because I don't think anyone expected Calvert Lewin to have such consistency with his goal scoring. But obviously he's not been playing the top top sides. So if he continues his goal scoring record against these teams. You know, he could stop. Start be looking
0: at the Golden Boot. Yep, absolutely. Um, I I do quite rate Dominic Calvert-Lewin. I think um, he would in year, in earlier years. I would say he would be on the radar of a Manchester club uh, because Everton wouldn't be able to keep him. Um, but now with their Premier League being so competitive and everyone being able to afford anybody and all that kind of stuff, I think he can really carve out a really good position at Everton for himself.
1: Yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree.
0: Okay, uh, let's move on. So, well done again to Everton. 3-2 winners against Fulham. Our next five-minute blitz will start now. And it is Newcastle versus Chelsea. The final score was Chelsea 2 Newcastle nil uh, for Newcastle you had Darlow in goal Manquillo Fernandez Lascelles Clark and Lewis making up a back five with Murphy Longstaff Hayden and Saint Maxim all supporting not Callum Wilson because he's injured in fact Joe Linton got a very rare start under Steve Bruce for Chelsea Frank Lampard is starting to really really um Get used to a starting 11 that can cause problems. Timo Werner, Tammy Abraham, and Zayec led the line with Mount, Kante, and Kovacic in midfield. Reese James, Zuma, Rudiger instead of Silva, who was saved for the midweek Champions League clash with Renz, um, and Chilwell at left back with Mendy ever present in goal. And goals in this game, it was an own goal from Federico Fernandez on just 10 minutes, and Tammy Abram managed to latch onto a second on 65 minutes. I will say this, how on earth Timo Werner didn't score in this match will forever be a question I take to my grave, because he had so many chances. He, his positioning was great. The only thing that stopped him um, was his finishing. He could, they should have won this 6-0. Um, I think if if he was actually getting his shots on target or if Darlow wasn't in his fine form that he tends to be despite Newcastle's struggles it would be a 6-0 game uh, the stats again from even though Newcastle were at home it would not surprise you to know that Chelsea dominated every single one 14 shots on goal uh, to Newcastle's eight three on target to Newcastle's one 71% possession away from home as well Um, and as you can imagine with the midfield that they had uh, their passing accuracy was in the high 80s. Chelsea don't exactly scream to me as a team in any sort of trouble in any single area of the pitch at the moment. The very fact that he could um, rotate in Rudiger um, and now he knows he can count on him at a back line is very good. Um, On the bench, you just got a look, they had Callum Hudson-Odoi, Giroud, Jorginho uh, and Christensen as well. Whereas from a Steve Bruce point of view, um, you know, they, they had the odd good little spell of football but nothing was ever going to trouble chelsea they were clearly the winners in this and ultimately why we've put them as a five minute blitz george what do you want to say
1: um you know what are you expected chelsea to win this game to be fair um there's there's a few things i want to touch upon is one um newcastle had one shot on target the whole game right they, they've got to get themselves into better positions. But equally, as you said, how Werner didn't manage to score, it's just not hitting a target. Like Chelsea had had a lot, of, a lot of attempts on goal, but three shots on target. They, they've got to be doing better than that. But I've said this in the past. If you give Chelsea opportunities like this, they're going to take them and they will score two, three, four, five goals against you. They don't need that many chances on target because they're very clinical when they get there, especially when they get them on target. Um, the thing, the thing is, again, Newcastle. They're they one of they're they're just a bit of a nothing team, aren't they? I keep saying this about them. You know that they're not going down. They're not going to get into Europe. They're going to be sitting in mid-table, and everyone looks at Newcastle as a winnable game. It doesn't matter if it's away from home or anything. They had a good couple of chances, Newcastle, which they should have probably taken. Um, but Chelsea will just come away from there as a job done. I think that's. Uh, you, I don't think anyone looks at Newcastle as an easy game. But they, they go there as a, thinking we can go there and we can get, get the job done. Um, poor poor own goal from uh, Fernandez, I think that's what his name is. And then a good goal actually by Tammy Abraham, who I don't actually rate much. Um, but apparently he's uh, scored more goals than any other Chelsea player since the start of last season, which I, I wasn't aware of. Um, so fair play to him. But it is what it is. Chelsea are, are challenging this year. Um, I don't like Lampard, so I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't like them to do well. Um, I'm, me, I'm, I'm, I'm su- you know what? I'm surprised that they've got Joel Linton up top when they've. I know they've got Andy Carroll, right? And then them two again. We've said this; they're very similar target men, but they're playing very. They were playing a very defensive game, five four one. Like I know that I know they're playing Chelsea, but jeez, Louise, like you've got you've got a uh, you, you're playing like that at home. Come on, have something about you because Chelsea are just going to go all out on you and you give them they let, let, let Chelsea have the ball 71 possession again you give them the ball you see what happens happens to you you're going to get beat simple as
0: yeah I mean for me it was ah. Oh, okay <laughs> <laughs> fine sorry mate fine Fine, fine. Right. The next game that we will do a deep dive in and the last game we're going to do a deep dive in. Is that your request, George? Manchester United versus West Brom. I know you have some things you want to say about this. So I will just give a quick overview and hand straight over to you. The final score was Manchester United won West Brom nil. For Manchester United, you had David De Gea in goal. You had a back line of Wan-Bissaka, Lindelof, Maguire and Tellez. Fred and Matich in midfield supporting Mata, Fernandez, and Rashford with Anthony Martial up top. For West Brom, you had Grant up top with Diangana, Gallagher, Sawyers and Perea in midfield. Furlong, Aj, Ivanovic, Bartley and Townsend made up a back five with Johnston in goal. It's important to note that Johnston Uh, Had a very good game. Uh, He saved, um, I believe he saved a penalty in this game and he did make some outstanding saves. So fair play to him. I know I said a couple of weeks ago that I didn't actually know who the West Brom goalkeeper is. Well now I most certainly do. Well done young man. Um, The big talking point of this game I believe George is going to get into is the penalties uh, because West West Brom were awarded a penalty, then VAR happened and it was ruled out, then Manchester United got a penalty, uh, they missed it and then Manchester United got another penalty um, for which Bruno Fernandes scored on 56 minutes. The pictures um, of Oli in the Manchester United uh, dugout made it seem like he wasn't entirely happy with how the game was going. And I'm not surprised because um, this type of game for Manchester United fans, they expect to beat West Brom. Um, And Bilic, just another game that goes by where he's right to feel a little bit robbed, I feel. But that's enough from me. I'll hand over to you, George. What do you want to talk about in particular?
1: Now, you know what I'm going to talk about here right and it's, it's VAR with, with Man United and, I've, and I've, I've, I've looked at this right that's a penalty that is a penalty all day long the referee got it right first time and now for some reason I seem to think that when referees go over to the monitor I think they feel obliged to change their decision how we can look how we can see it in in in, in like live action at live speed and give it a penalty and then go over and see it in slow motion and not give a penalty amazes me. Now, I'm gonna say something which is 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 I, I do think we're gonna to need to look into in a perhaps a future podcast. There seems to be now you might disagree with this, Luke, because you are you I think Spurs will fit within this. There seems to be a big team agenda with the VAR. Mm. Now I'll, last year, right. Manchester United were one of the main benefiters of VAR they got plus seven goals because of VAR or their net goal scorer you want to call it was VAR that would be disallowed goals against them or goals scored for them right the vast majority of those from last year were disallowed goals or penalties not given in Man United's favour now I I just don't think that's a coincidence I really don't because you get teams like for example and I'm going to flip this around last year the biggest loser of VAR last year was Norwich who got relegated Mm. so when you look at it from that perspective this VAR are that it, but that it's benefiting the big teams. For some reason, everything that goes around the Premier League is there to benefit the big teams. And do you know what I think it's for? Well, I think it's to make sure that the teams that have got the financial backing and have got the squads to be able to cope with European football are in and around that European football area. Because if they, if, if we're putting, if the if England are putting teams that aren't prepared for European football, then we're gonna not get as because you know it's all in the UEFA points, isn't it? Depending on how well they do within within the European sport within the European games, it's it's an interesting thing to look into because I I, I, I genuinely believe that teams that are getting taken advantage of because of VAR and it needs to be looked at. It really does. Um, I don't know what what's your opinion on it?
0: I mean, uh, at the moment I didn't. That, that idea never even came into my mind, to be honest, because I thought VAR has been awful <laughs> to bloody everybody. Um, I would have to do a bit more research on it. And I think, yeah, I think a podcast in the future to delve into it a bit deeper is probably best. But what I do know about Manchester United in particular, especially because we're recording this podcast on a, on a Wednesday, they've just played in the champions league and they've just beaten some club. I can't pronounce like four um, nil. And Fernandez scored another two. But, um, <laughs> man united in the last something like 76 games have had 36 penalties they have a penalty once every two games on average in that time time. um and (laughs) i do think that that can't be a coincidence either either manchester united players are, are diving to get something like that or people just don't Or their players are so good that opposition defenders have no choice but to foul them in the box otherwise they will score legitimate goals it's it's a toss-up and i need to look into it a bit more if i'm completely honest but yeah i mean it's always been something with man united hasn't it it's either been fergie time it's been now it's var um in another five ten years time there'll be some other random stuff that man united will be perceived as taking advantage of but yeah the, the one thing for me that I, I will say out of this is obviously where Man United are in the league. They're 10th on 13 points. They're nowhere near challenging for the league uh, this season, in my opinion. They might end up challenging for top four or five, but I think that's the best they can currently hope for unless they get potch in. I don't know what you think about that.
1: The thing is I I said this before is that Man United do this thing where they play terrible for like ten games and then they're absolute like elite for ten games. So um and I know I've said I've said about Arteta and how he's not cut out for for the managing the managerial job for Arsenal. Solskjaer hasn't had a great you know, he's managed a few teams. I know he was at Cardiff to start off with, would he? But I mean he he went down with Cardiff. Mm-hmm. Um but, you know, he's at least he's been a little bit more consistent. Um, with Man United, like that, that he's at least he's. This, they're not at a great start to the season, um, especially their home record has been atrocious. Um, they got lucky against West Brom. They did get lucky against against West Brom with the penalty. With the, they got a penalty in their favour, and then they, lived, uh, West Brom didn't get a penalty, which again it should have been. So, um, if if let's put it this way, if 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 Man United are roughly where they are. A similar situation to, to Arsenal. If they are roughly where they are, come Christmas time, then, the, the, you know, people are going to be calling for their heads. Simple as. And the, by the way, the reason why I wanted this game to be as a, as a deep dive is I, I, I watched a, an interview with Slaven Bilic. And one thing that he said was, I felt like small West Brom. And that's how teams are starting to feel when they have these decisions going against them and this is why this is basically the main reason why i brought that up mm. is because the smaller clubs are, are being made to feel like small clubs do you know what i mean And they're, they're, they're getting made to feel like that norwich suffered last year west brom are suffering this year they're, they're going to suffer massively this year i mean they're, they're probably going to get relegated anyway but they're getting all these decisions go against them um no, no, no matter how many times you watch that game that that against the uh, on the man united game no matter how many times you watch it that's a penalty mm. and the the United's penalty was a penalty it was handball, but you know you've seen him not given so v a r again dominating their decisions dominating the game um it just seems uh it's, it's a shame it needs looking at because um on the other hand Sam Johnson was quality he was, wasn't he? yep. He's quality. Is he English?
0: He is, I think. Um, is good. But again, so far down the pecking order, I don't think he gets a look in. Let's have a look. Sam um, Stone, English footballer, yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, so it's, it's decent. No, you've got these decent um, decent English players coming through. Goalkeepers is one we really need to work on because our goalkeepers at the moment are absolutely shocking. Pickford is just off the boil. Henderson's not getting a chance. If West, like, for example, West Ham's perspective, right... You've got Fabianski, who's 34. He's probably got one top season left in him, right? He's not—he's—he's not, he's not doing particularly great. He's not tearing bits up. He's got a couple of clean sheets, but um, we'd be clever to go in for someone like um, Dean Henderson. Just saying,
0: you'd have to part with a bit of money, I think, as well—20, 20, 25 well, million, maybe.
1: Well, the thing is, though, you've got to part with decent money to get decent players, so.
0: That's true. I mean, one thing I just want to correct quite I've just remembered. That Man United didn't get two penalties in this match. They got one, but um, it was missed, but Johnson came off his line, if that's right. So the penalty got ordered to be retaken and then Fernandes yeah. scored it.
1: Yeah. Do you know what happened as well, right? Fernandes misses a penalty, right? And then he gets to retake it. It's another point. Um, and then he retakes the penalty and then the commentators go, never in doubt that. What do you mean? Never in doubt. <laughs> he missed the first one. Like, how, like it's just unbelievable the, the things that that, that that these commentators say and other people say that this should just be. I honestly I can't stand it the way. Fernandez is a good player. Most of his goals are penalties. So
0: what, what does that say? Well, for that reason, he's in my dream team. Um, but we'll, we'll leave it there. Um, commiserations to West Brom. Um, I suppose congratulations to Man United. 1-0. West Brom stay in 19th on three points. Man United up to 10th now. And now we come to our final five-minute blitz of the podcast. And we are going to be talking about the Monday night football action of Burnley versus Crystal Palace. So, allow me just to start the clock and... Burnley won, 1-0. Well done to Burnley and well done to Sean Dyche. Long time coming. It's about time Burnley gets some serious points on the board. Again, well done. From a Burnley point of view, you had Nick Pope in goal. You had Loughton, Tarkovsky, Me, and Taylor in defence with McNeil, Brownhill, Westwood and Goodmanson supporting Chris Wood and Rodriguez up front, despite him being English and me giving it a sort of Spanish twist. Um, from the Crystal Palace point of view, you had Jordan Ayu and Michi Batshuayi up front with Eze, MacArthur, Ridgewell and Townsend in midfield. Uh, Van Arnold, Scott Dan, and Cuyate and Nathaniel Klein in defence, and Guaita in goal. No Wilfred Zaha for Crystal Palace, he is out. Um, after coming into contact with someone else who is ill with that thing going on in the world at the moment. Burnley scored on eight minutes through Chris Woods. And I'm trying to replay it in my head. I can't quite do it justice. As I recall, a Burnley player seemed to sort of do a little bit of a through pass, but it was a bit of a mistake from a Crystal Palace defender, which left it on a plate for Wood to stick it in the goal after eight minutes. Uh, And then essentially Burnley did what Burnley do. They frustrated Crystal Palace. Palace had about 15 shots, five of them on target, but Burnley's resolute defending is a hard one to break down. And despite Burnley themselves having a fair few shots on target themselves, um, 1-0 is all Burnley needed against a team like Crystal Palace, particularly a team like Crystal Palace without someone like Zaha. Uh, But a much-needed win for Sean Dyche and Burnley takes them up to 17th out of the relegation zone and Fulham then, of course, slipping back into it. And Palace um, stay uh, where they are essentially on um, 13 points in 11th place in between Manchester United and Arsenal. So um, if you could tell Crystal Palace that this time of the season they would be above Arsenal and just behind Man United on goal difference, I think they probably would have taken it.
1: And above Man City.
0: And above Man City. But George, what did you make of this one?
1: Burnley needed that, didn't they? I, there was another thing I that Sky Sports um, tweeted after the game uh, that said that Burnley hadn't scored at home for like three hundred minutes or something like that, mm. something like that. Um, Chris Wood's was never in doubt. He's one of the he's one of the better players. You know what I liked about this game as well is that two English managers, both gone for four four two. four two, classic, like, proper classic like Premier League game it just it just had one of those sort of one nil games written all over it didn't it really when you see that sort of uh sort of thing but what i do want to pick out on um quickly is uh the lack of wilfred zaha crystal palace talisman um talisman i think the last uh the last one two three four five six seven games that they've played without zaha they've got battered in pretty much every single one of them uh, and and it just shows that how important zaha is to uh to Palace. I don't rate Zahar that much as a player. I think he's a very selfish player, but he's obviously very important to, to any team that he plays for. And maybe I'm just completely wrong. Um, so good news for Burnley, terrible news for Palace. It's funny because someone from Palace tweeted that you know they couldn't hear us West Ham from the bottom half, and now you flip reverse it and West Ham are eighth, and Palace are eleventh, they're in the bottom half, we're sitting in eighth, we've had a much tougher run of fixtures. I don't like Crystal Palace, so stick it where the sun don't shine. Um <laughs>
0: Fair enough. Did you enjoy that? <laughs>
1: <laughs> I did, yeah, I did. I did. Um, but yeah, um, decent game. Very, it was relatively even, to be fair. I, I, I was saying like they got battered is, is probably not not very fair. It was a relatively even game. Um, I, you probably It's one of those games you knew it was going to be one goal in it. Friday, uh, Palace have got um, Newcastle on Friday next um, at home. And I, I think Burnley are going to Man City. So... Um,
0: So three points for Burnley and three points for um, Palace, then, is what we're saying, right? Could you imagine?
1: (laughs) But the thing is, though, Burnley is one of the places Man City, I think it's the other way around. Um, Man City aren't going to want to play a team like Burnley when you know the way they defend. So especially after they've just lost 2-0, definitely what they don't want. Um, That being said, Chelsea battered Burnley, didn't they? So we'll have to see. We'll have to see how that goes. Um, I like Sean Dyche. I've, I've got a soft spot for him for some reason the way he talks. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah he reminds me of stone cold steve austin a little bit do you know what i mean and then <laughs> and then um hodgson just reminds me of a very very old man that should be in a home
0: yeah. uh, looks like an owl but uh anyway like an instead of um i think we're running out of things to talk about for these two games because we're now insulting what the managers look like so um with oh look the whistle, the whistle. Is, yeah the whistle's going
1: there we go, there we go. Well. this yes. is why i didn't this is why i wanted it as not a deep dive cuz i didn't have much to talk about it <laughs>
0: Fair enough well again apologies Burnley fans you just need to play better football um yeah, right um guys that will bring this week's have a crack podcast to a satisfying conclusion as I always do I will run through the Premier League table as it currently stands and should we start at the top George I think we should start at the top um Tottenham Hotspur are your uh, number one position on 20 points Liverpool second also on 20 points uh but Seven goals behind leaders Tottenham. Uh, Chelsea are in third on 18 points, two points behind Tottenham, uh, with Leicester also joining them on 18 points as well after they failed to pick up any points against Liverpool. Southampton make up the Europa League space at the moment on 17 points, but Everton are close behind them on 16. Aston Villa. Uh, then in seventh on 15 points. West Ham and Wolves on Three. eighth and ninth in 14 points. Yes, well done indeed. Manchester United um, prop up the top half of the table in tenth on 13 points quickly followed by Crystal Palace and Arsenal, who are also on 13 points and the same goal difference. Uh, But again, a couple of caveats to always remember, Aston Villa still have that game in hand. So do Manchester United. So you could theoretically add three points to their tallies. City um, make up 13th on 12 points, also having a game in hand as well. Leeds United on 11 points and same with Newcastle in 14th and 15th. Brighton and Burnley, uh, 16th and 17th on nine and five points with Burnley having a gaming hand as well. And the relegation zone is currently made up of Fulham, West Brom and Sheffield United. And I've got to be honest, I'm pretty sure that will stay the, the, the the final day of the season will probably be those three as well. Yeah. for those guys uh a quick shout out to norwich who are doing very very well in the championship top of the table i'm sure it has absolutely nothing to do with the fact that they have loaned ollie skip from tottenham and he is doing amazingly well in there just had to get that in there for him did you, well, see, the,
1: did you see the thing about lewis Holtby and what he did with the preston player what did he do where he, where he held his nuts as the preston player walked past because the preston player has been investigated for holding one of the um I did. <laughs> have you not seen it
0: i did see that i didn't know it was holtby actually that's, that's
1: pretty... so, so basically one of the preston player was uh obviously grabbed one of the players genital genitalia area from a corner or something like that and then they and then when they played holtby's team as he was walking past holtby holtby was like holding his area and just like moving away from him as banter it was, it was good banter from holtby fair play to him
0: he does have some banter help beer. I remember his time at Spurs well. But, guys, I'll bring the podcast to a close there. Thank you very much for watching. Don't forget to follow us all on Twitter. You can follow the podcast directly at Have a Crack Pod. And you can follow me, Luke Peach, at LJ Peachy. And, George, where can they follow you?
1: At CampyWHU.
0: Been an absolute pleasure, as always, George. We will speak to you next week when the Premier League continues. And we have the likes of Tottenham Hotspur versus Chelsea, West Ham versus. Aston Villa and Everton versus Leeds. And I don't have any more fixtures in front of me other than that, but I'm sure there are some other juicy ones as well. Thank you very much and good night. Cheers, bye.